Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. We're talking about spiritual gifts tonight. And uh, we said the foundation of the gifts is the Holy Spirit. The gifts are the, uh, an overflow of the Holy Spirit. Notice, they are the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts belong to the Spirit, not to you. Amen. <laughs> this, they are the gifts of the Spirit, not your gifts. Now, I need to explain this to you. Sometimes you see certain individuals operating in one gift more than another gift. And, and then we tend to think, well, that's their gift. No, they are just more comfortable in that gift than they are with other gifts. They won't even know if God starts dealing with them concerning this one gift until they fully understand it. Then they open themselves to the gift. But they are the gifts of the Spirit. And if you desire, and Paul says this, desire spiritual gifts. We come into that. Desire spiritual gifts. In other words, if you don't desire these gifts, God won't bother with you. He knows you're not interested. And the, and the ones that you desire, God will give that to you and, and walk through you because you're open to it. So that's the way I've come to understand it. As you see in the church and uh, all around the world, uh, Christian ministers, uh, what they are really into, that's what God, I guess they are wired that way. But the gifts are the gifts of the Spirit. And they are available to every one of us. And we can operate in all of those gifts uh, as the Lord wills. I'm talking more about how these gifts operate. So you know. Uh, once you gain understanding, it's easy to move on. And it's not, there's no dread anymore about it. There's nothing dark about it. You feel free. And then you are, God can really use you to help. The, gift is real, the gifts are really not for you. They are for the one receiving the gift. You have to understand that. The gifts are not for you. There's nothing to say, well, I'm so good. No, they are not for you. They are for God's children that he wants to reach out to. You just happen to be the tool that he's using at that point. So you don't feel like you're better than everybody else because God's using you. You're just open for him in this one area, this particular gift, and God's free to use you. To minister to the people. We have to understand it. Otherwise, you'll be living, uh, doing things, maybe in your life struggling. And uh, you're wondering what's really going on. And God uses you in the gift. And you think, well, I guess God doesn't think what I'm doing is that bad. Uh, because he's still giving, using me in the gifts. No, they are two separate things. You still have to live the life. You still have to live the life. Remember, the gifts and callings of God. Let me say this. The gifts and callings of God, they are without repentance. God doesn't say no. He still uses you in the gift, but it's not you. He's using you because you are available to reach those individuals. But we need to reach those individuals. What I find out in the church is this. Many times, most Christians, most Christians are satisfied to just go to church and make it to heaven. Wonderful. I got to the pearly gates. Wow, I mean, that's all they care about. 
The going to church is just to make it to heaven. But that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to serve him. And service requires gifts. Both your natural gifts and your spiritual gifts. Your natural gifts you were born with because God knew what he had built you for. So he gave you the natural gifts. Now the spiritual gifts he'll give to you because of what he wants you to do in his body. So we have these gifts. There's even the gift, you can read in uh, Romans chapter 12, for administration. Some pastors can preach, they can't administer anything. Hey, be quiet now. (laughs) Don't laugh about that. (laughs) But they need somebody. They can recognize, I'm not good at this, and find somebody, and God will bring somebody into the church that can do that. So they are free to use their gifts. Now, if you are holding on to everything, you're going to be losing a lot. Let it go. Let somebody else do it. And it will be all us doing it. Amen? So no jealousy. Just let the person do it. And then free yourself to do what God's called you to do. That's the way it should be. We're not competing. We're working together. So these gifts are there for us. So let's not be satisfied. Please don't be satisfied to just be a Christian. God can use you in these gifts, and they are magnificent gifts. I'm telling you, they can startle somebody who's been arguing against God for a long time, and just one of these gifts can change their mind. Now they want to go to church. Now they want to serve God. These gifts are so important for us. Jesus was saying, and I said this on Sunday because I'm preaching on being filled with the Holy Spirit, as well as the gifts of the Spirit here, it's hard for a Christian, notice I said the word Christian, you are a Christian, whether you operate in the gifts or not, whether you speak in tongues or not, you are a Christian, you're going to heaven. That's not the point here. But remember what Jesus was saying, in um, John chapter 12, excuse me, uh, John chapter 14, uh, Jesus, I believe from verse 11, he was saying, he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? If you cannot believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, and if you've seen me, you've seen God, then believe me for the very work's sake. That's John 14, verse 11. It made it very clear. Verse 11 tells us that. But then in verse 12, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. So the same works that he said, you should believe in him for, if you want to believe that he is the Son of God, that he is God, he says you can do exactly the same works. It says, he who believes in me. How many believers do we have here tonight? Are you a believer? Well, Jesus said, He who believes in me, or anyone who believes in me, the works that I do, he or she will do also. The question is, have you done any of those works? Can you give me verse 11, please? Kathy, thank you so much. So you see the point I'm making here. 
verse 11. It says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, if you can't believe that, believe me for the the sake of the works themselves. Those are the miracles. And then verse 12, he's telling you, you can do exactly the same works if you believe in me. Now, was he just talking to the believer, the apostles? No, every believer. It's easy to just read scripture and just go past it without thinking. Is it God's will for your life concerning this scripture? Think through it. If it's God's will for your life, why are you just, are you just going to sweep it aside as if God didn't see it? And this is so important. Most Christians don't settle down and say, what does this really mean? Does this really mean I can do the same thing? Was he just speaking, teasing us, making us feel good about ourselves as believers? Or he really meant what he was saying? And if he meant it, how come I'm not able to do it? Why? What's wrong? Why can't I do this? If we don't meditate, meditate and we don't stop to think, then we tend to forget. We are forgetful hearers. And not doers of the word, right? And you can't be blessed if you are a forgetful hearer. And that's what, where all of us, we struggle. Because we read these things and we just move past. And because we just believe, well, that's not for me. That's for Pastor Roy. No, he, he never mentioned pastor here. Huh? He didn't say every pastor will do this work. He who believes in me. And you are, I know without a doubt, you are a believer. I know. If you ask me, is this person, yeah, I've met you, I've seen you, I've heard your confession. You are a believer. You can do those works. You can do those works according to Jesus and he cannot lie, right? He cannot lie. You have it in you right now, the ability to do those works. You just haven't stepped out of the boat. You've been in the boat too long. You have been doing this, testing the water to see, oh no, you come Lord, I don't think I can do that. That's what we've been doing for a long time. But it's time, when I was a child, I, you know, behave like a child, I talk like a child. But when are you going to be an adult to put away childish things and do what God has called us to do? I can tell you, you can be at work and then somebody has a headache, and you say, can I pray for you? That should be your opportunity, you know? Can I pray for you? And they see your excitement. What's wrong with you? I said, an ad- I thought you were going to give me uh, Advil or something. You're talking about praying. What's that? And they say, yeah, let me pray for you. And then you pray for them. They forget. Two hours later, they're walking around happy. And they remember, wow, I had a headache. Well, he prayed for me. Oh, boy. There's an apostle among us walking with us, Okay. <laughs> And then they begin to think about what you're saying. Now, every word that you speak, they won't tell you, but everything you're saying, they're paying attention. They know there's something special. You don't have to be a pastor. The works that I do, you shall do also. And then he said, greater works than this. That really bothers me. (laughs) Greater works than this shall you do because, notice the word he said, because I go to my Father. I need you to... I need you to take note of that word. Because what? I go to my father. In other words, when I go to my father, that's when this will be. Right? 
Now, the thing is, unless you are filled with the Spirit, it's hard to do this. That's what Jesus was saying here. Until he goes to the Father and the Spirit of God comes to us to be with us, you really can't do much of these things. And this is where Satan is really tormented Christians and there's a lot of fighting in the church. People wondering, well, we don't need that stuff. He went with the apostles. When the last apostle died, that all ceased. And uh, we don't need that anymore. And what the enemy is doing is trying to keep us back there so that we won't do the works of Jesus. And that's all he's doing. I've never seen uh, people, uh, Christians, get so upset than when you start talking about baptism in the Spirit, especially when you add tongues with that. They get so upset. And I'm wondering, what's the problem? I mean, all you need to do is so easy. If you have a problem, I've prayed with so many people in the office. I don't focus on that. It's not an issue for me. You can receive if you want. It's so easy to receive it. It, I don't see why it should should be a problem. That's why I love going to places where this matter hasn't been talked about. And I can have a, we saw that in Nigeria, just a hundred people or more. And more of them kept coming. They wanted to receive, and they received. Receiving the gift and being able to pray in tongues, that's really not the matter. The real issue comes after that. Believe me, it comes after that. What you do with the gift, how you stir up the gift, is the real issue. There are a lot of Christians that can speak in tongues, but sometimes they are more vile than those that, that can't speak in tongues, and you wonder, what's the matter here? Because it's not what the, the gift is separate from your living. You can yield to the gift or you can decide you don't want to and live a wicked life. And it doesn't mean because you have the gift, I said it the last time, it doesn't mean that because you have the gift, you're mature. Well, it speaks in tongues now, so you're mature. No, I've had people saved and they filled with the Spirit the same day, the same hour. They just, they're baby Christians. And they are speaking in tongues. They are not mature. So we need to understand that. The thing is yield. Let God be God. If you didn't hear the message, it's a different thing. But if God places you in a place where you have heard the message, the reason for that is because he has something for you to accomplish and he wants you to hear it so that you can receive, so you can do what he's called you to do. That's what it is. There was a time I had no understanding. But then you're placed in a place where you begin to understand, I can't go back anymore. Now I know too much now. I've got to seek this thing. I've got to go back. So that's the way God does his thing. Don't get upset uh, when things like this are now. This is the way I see things. When I'm speaking on something, I like you to get upset if you're not going to receive it. I'm happy when you're very upset. Now, yes. If you receive it, that's my greatest joy. When you get really upset, I like it. You know why? Because when you get upset, you never forget what I said. <laughs> How come he said this? It's been five days you're still thinking about it. I like that. Can't sleep because the pastor said something as good. You're rolling it over and over in your mind. And God said, I've got this one now. And then you walk, you walk into somewhere else and somebody says the same thing the pastor said. What? 
You get really mad. And then God says, why are you so mad? Could it be that God's trying to tell you something? You notice how upset Paul was with Stephen? Good. How killed him? He thought, right? He was so upset he couldn't sleep. He couldn't wait to kill him. I had to stamp everyone that talks like Stephen. I stamped them all out. And then Jesus appeared. And then he was doing more and never let go. He always reminded himself, I was like this. And so he was driven to do stuff, possibly in his mind, to put that away because of what he did with Stephen. He said, I wasted the church. Right now, I am nothing. I am the least of them. And I'm going to go with everything. Because he was so mad. He was so mad on one side. And then he got so mad, he was on the other side. That's the way it is. I like them when they get mad. Forgive me. (laughs) But that means you're thinking about it. But the thing is, God's trying to tell you something. And if you listen, he's because he has an assignment. Let me read this scripture for you. John chapter 16, verse 17, uh, verse 7. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. Right? But if I depart, I will send him to you. So that's why he told them, you will do greater work because I go to my father. And when I go to my father, that's for your advantage. Because then I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And now you are able to do the works that I did. That's the issue here. Charles and Francis Hunter, they thank God. I, was, I knew about them, but I never knew they lived in Houston. I was glad when I knew that now they live in the same city that I'm living in right now because I was reading their books back in Nigeria before I came to the United States and they live here, right here with me in Houston. The books all over the world. God has used them so much. Husband and wife. Started with the wife and then people wouldn't even let the husband minister much because it seemed like the anointing was on the wife and so she did all the stuff and one day God said no it's both of them and then both of them healed all over the world they're known all over the world known all over the world healing people ministry here out of Houston this is what they said in their book how to heal the sick it said it said in the passage there we are can you put that up please I go I hope I got it done and I changed the word baptism now, there's uh, a part there, right, Charles and Francis Hunter? Didn't Let me read it to you then. This is what they said. We are two of the most persistent people in the world. Because we do not get discouraged like a lot of people. Before we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now listen to this. This is their testimony. Before we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we laid hands on something like 10,000 people. They wouldn't stop. They believed that scriptures, these signs followed those who believe. 
So they started laying. They wanted that. They said, they wrote, we laid hands on something like 10,000 people and maybe as many as 10 of them got healed. We were persistent, even though we didn't realize we needed the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But if you read in their testimonies, as soon as they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's like day and night. The difference. And that's what just, they became known all over the world. But they were already trying to pray with the sick, trying to operate in the gift. They were zealous, they believed the gift, but they couldn't do much. That's their own testimony. You can find the book to buy, How to Heal the Sick. We didn't realize you can teach people how to heal the sick. You can. You can teach people how to heal the sick. You can teach people how to prophesy. There are, if you read in the Bible, you will hear the word it says, uh, the sons of the prophet, Old Testament. You know what that means? That's the school where people like Elijah and Elisha, they were training young men how to prophesy. And some of them will really gain, and then they take, take over from them. Somebody like Elisha from Elijah. And there were other prophets, young ones. They, they could prophesy. If you read the scriptures, we read these things and we just you know, gloss over them and forget. They knew Elijah was going up to heaven. Those young men knew. From different towns, Gilgal and wherever, in Jordan, they all knew. They would come to Elisha and say, hey, do you know, did you know we've got the prophecy? He's leaving you today, son. And he said, hold your peace. I know it. Okay? They all knew. Because they were all in, and they, they had several schools where they were being trained. You can be trained. You can be trained. You can be taught how to do this. And you can do it. And all of us can do it. So, all we need to do, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, if you stay, we listen, and we can actually do this. God will begin to use you. It's like learning. When you begin to learn something, you, don't, you are not perfect the very first day, or first week, or first year. But after a while, through practice, you get more comfortable, and the Holy Spirit now has more freedom. It's because we are uncomfortable and very unsure that restricts the move of the Spirit for a while. And then once you get very comfortable in that particular gift, it just flows from you. And it's not a big deal anymore. And you, then you start wondering, how come the rest of them can't do this? <laughs> it's so easy. That's because they don't understand it yet. And even if they do, they're still a little bit afraid. Fear is a major killer when it comes to this. You know what our fear is? We don't want to make mistakes. Hello? We don't want to make mistakes. And I don't want to do anything that the Holy Spirit is not in. I don't want to say a word and it's not the Holy Spirit. That would be, that would be bad before God. <laughs> and so we hold back. But the truth is, when you know what the scripture says, you can step out in faith. It's by faith. And I want to talk, we'll share here with you how to understand when God wants to use you in prophecy. What to expect. What happens when God is giving you a word of knowledge? How does it come? What are the different ways that God will give you a word of knowledge so you know this is a word of knowledge 
and then you can operate in it. The first time, believe me, you are going to be very scared. And you might think your brain is playing some games with you. And you might even say, get behind me. <laughs> okay? <laughs> oh, you've done that, huh? Oh, yes. The truth. You might say, get behind me. I just read that yesterday. <laughs> that can, cannot be God. And then you're quiet, and then God comes again and says, look, you need to do this. No, that's the devil. <laughs> it's fun, really, when you start operating. But you've got to start somewhere, amen? You've got to start somewhere. So that's what they said. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say, uh, for example... How powerful this gift can be. How powerful this gift can be. You know, in uh, Acts chapter 27, now close with this tonight, we'll go back to it again. But please, if you are really interested in this and you want, please come. I'm not in, I have a lot of people, only those who want to let God flow in this thing in their lives. For me, there was a certain time I lived and breathed this and I wanted to know. I really wanted to know. But there was nobody in the church that was talking about it. My pastor wasn't teaching about it. And God, I don't know where that book came from. I can't remember. Just a tiny book I found. Because God knew my heart was there. And so God, I had never seen a whole lot of the operation. And I read that book. And it, my mind, I like science. You know something, you got to practice. So I got a lot of information. I gathered people for Sunday school. And we're going to practice whether they liked it or not. And the practice was in a Sunday school class. They prophesied to me and were saying all kinds of things. These were lay people. They said a lot of things over my life. And I've had my head bowed because I had a, uh, a chair in the middle of the classroom after we had gone through all of the lessons. And then I told them, we got to practice now. Pastor was, I'm sure my pastor Addison, he was very worried because he knew I didn't... You, I wasn't in any of, the, any of the gifts at all. And I was telling him I want to teach them. He says, are you sure? <laughs> but I got the book. And I believed in the book. And so I gathered everybody, taught for weeks, and then it was time to practice. They were shaking, I was shaking as well. <laughs> I was very worried. But we sat, sat them in the chair, one after the other. And then the others gathered. We've done this year before. Michael, remember that? And we, we gather around them, and we'll stay there praying for a while. And then one time, uh, uh, Pastor, uh, Brother Goodluck, they say, uh, I think I'm getting the word. Yeah, and they'll speak it. And they prophesied over me, and they said a lot of things. And I thought, I think you all are drunk. <laughs> yeah, there's no way, this, that's not me. I don't know where you all got this stuff from. I'm living it today. You're just a student at the University of Georgia. I never realized they were really prophesying about being a pastor and all of that. And, but to me then, I thought, oh, guys, you guys are just wanting to be nice to me because I was the last person and we've had a lot of things happen. And so now they're saying this stuff. I thought, wow, you guys are just being too nice. It's never going to happen. It didn't take too long. And that's what we'll find. Amen? How powerful this gift can be. Um, in Acts chapter 27, uh, Paul now had been taken and they were on their way because he said, 
I appealed to Caesar. And uh, so they were on their way uh, to Caesar. And they had a centurion that they handed not just Paul, but other prisoners to take to Rome. And they got to a place. And there was a little wind. And Paul told her he had a word of knowledge. And this is what he said. Acts 27, verse 9 through 11. He said, Now when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. Notice what he said. Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster. And much loss, not only of the cargo and ship. So in other words, you're going to lose this or your cargo. Whatever you have in this boat now is going to be gone. And the ship is, this ship is going to be destroyed. But also of our lives, we may die in these things. All of us, we may die. He said, nevertheless... The centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship. So the guy who was the captain and the owner of the ship told him, he said, these are experts. You don't know anything about ship or sailing. How come you're telling us what's going to happen? When the other guys were saying it was okay to travel. And so the, the, the uh, centurion, let's go. Forget, I won't listen to this a prisoner. But notice something. You have to use a lot of wisdom. Okay? Notice Paul knew that that was God that showed him that, right? But look at these words he used. He said, I perceive. Did you see that? He never said, God said. He said, I perceive. That's wisdom here. There are times when you don't need to say that. You don't need to say that. He knew that was from God. But he never said God said. God has said, these people are unbelievers. There's no need to tell them that God said anything. And there are times when not to say that at all. Just tell them, I feel. That's what he said. I feel like this is. And he told them exactly what was going to happen. Doesn't take away from the fact that God showed him that. But you use wisdom. You can't use the word, especially what happens is if you use it over and over again, and you're doing, and God's really working with you, but after a while, uh, you know how we are where people get too familiar with stuff, and they just don't listen anymore. It loses the effect of it. So we need to use a lot of wisdom. It's God, yes, yes, but I don't need to say that all the time. When I'm around people who understand, yes, I may do that. You know, with the ministry here, it's constant. God, I go to God and I'm trying to get things. And I'll tell you, I feel like this is the way I'm going to do this. If I'm around certain people, I may say, well, I, feel, I, I wouldn't even say God said. I would tell you, I feel like God's leading me to do this. And you just don't put it that way. Because we're still humans. The problem is, you may say something that God is saying through you, this is a good lesson here, that God's saying through you, but the time is not yet. But when you say it, it's in their mind, it's going to happen tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, guess what? You lose credibility. They won't listen to you anymore. My thing is, 
even when I see something and people are saying, why don't you correct it? Well, why should I correct it when it's not going to yield any good result? I know if this person is not going to receive. Okay? So there is no need to even address it at this point. Because you achieve nothing. You rather make them mad and then they turn the other way. The situation is even worse. You're not God waits. There's a time for everything. Amen? There is a season. You have to use wisdom in everything that we do. So that's what Paul said. I need wisdom. We need the wisdom of God. The gifts are very important. And you'll find out the Corinthians, they were experts in the gifts. Right? But they, were, they didn't have a lot of wisdom. And they were turning people away from church. Paul says, hey, you, all of you are speaking in tongues and all of these unbelievers come. They say, you all are crazy. It's no, it's no result. The gifts, yes, the Holy Spirit is still the same Holy Spirit, but they are not using a lot of wisdom. And so you can see from Paul, this is Apostle Paul, this was the Apostle. I'm sure some of them have heard about him, but he never said that. He said, I perceive. And notice what happened. After he told them that, the centurion said, let go. And then after a while, you can read the scripture in um, Acts 27. After a while, the wind died down and they felt, well, we have achieved our purpose. He just was talking. Maybe he ate a uh, hamburger or something. I don't know why, where he got that from. <laughs> and, and they thought, well, it's fine. And then all of a sudden, the weather changed. And now they were in trouble. Guess what? They all knew from the captain, the owner of the ship, and the centurion, they, they won't say anything to Paul, but I'm sure they were saying, we should have listened to that prisoner. We should have listened to him. There's something about him. And they were in real trouble. Guess what? Paul wasn't saying, I told you so. He kept quiet and was in the ride with them. And then all of a sudden, he noticed things were so bad, they were not eating. They had thrown everything off the boat like he told them, right? And nobody was eating. They were starving and they could care less. They wanted to live. And I'm sure all of them were saying, even including the prisoners, you guys should have listened to this guy. Now, look at what we see where we find ourselves. You should have listened to him. But the, the thing about it, the thing that is so important in this, uh, when they got into real trouble, all of a sudden Paul said, now listen. And he changed his tone. You can read the scripture. He said, now listen, you guys should have listened to me when I told you not to do this. No answer. <laughs> okay. They have saying, yes, yes, we, we should have. He said, but now listen. The God that I serve, now the language changed. He has sent his angel. He stood by me and told me, the boat's going to be lost. Everything is gone, but none of you will die. You all will live. They looked at him. We believe you, but this storm, we don't know if this is true. They, they were not, they wouldn't eat. And so to demonstrate to them that this was from God, he took bread in their midst and he started eating and he was calm. And they said, wow. Yeah, he told us about this. This, is a, this stuff is really real. So I'm sure they were eating. Captain, owner of the ship, all of their lives were hanging on the prisoner. They were eating because he's eating. 
if Paul suddenly stopped eating and, and looks like, like that, they will go, what's, what's going on now? We're going to die? But they listened to him. They listened to him. And then when they, get, they got to the very end, how, the power of this gift, we say, well, that's Apostle Paul, but they say these gifts are available to us. At the very end, the boat was going down. The, the prisoners, everyone was thinking of jumping. Paul said, unless you stay in the boat, if you get out of the boat, you die. Guess what they did? Everyone stayed back. He had everybody under his power because of the gift. Because of the gift. They listened to him. When the, centur- the soldiers were thinking of killing the prisoners, the centurion would have agreed. But he thought if they kill the prisoner, they'll kill this one. He says, uh-uh, you, know what, you kill nobody. And Paul said, everyone is going to be fine. And they were all fine. That's how powerful the gift is. Amen? That's how powerful. One uh, minister, uh, John Wimber, I read a lot about this. He was traveling one time and then he saw, he turned around, he was sitting, there was in business class, big minister, and there was a guy sitting by him with his wife. And uh, the guy turned to him, they greeted each other, and God gave him a word of knowledge. His, that's what we'll be talking about. He sees the word of knowledge, that's John, usually in written form. And across the man's face, his forehead was adultery. And he was sitting by his wife. The word adultery came, and then the name of the woman came. And so he turned to the man and he says, Hey, sir, come here. And the guy's businessman, you know, like, Who are you? He says, Come, come, come here. And he, he leaned towards him and he said, What does this name mean to you? And mentioned the woman's name that he was having an affair with. And his wife was sitting by his side. He said, it was a uh, is it 747? Well, you have a second deck? Yes. And he said, I've got to talk to you. Come here, please. And he said, how did you know that name? He said, God told me you've been committing adultery. Now, at first, he didn't say God said anything. He just gave him the word so he understood something was going on. You see the wisdom of his stuff? How, what does this name mean to you? If he said, God said, you are out of his face. I don't know you, man. Don't talk to me. His wife sitting by him. No results. He get mad and no, nothing's going to be accomplished. He just said, what does this thing mean to you? He I got to talk to you. They went up and he said, how did you know that name? He said, God told me you are committing adultery and if you don't stop, you're going to die. He started bawling. <laughs> and then he told him, we got to go down. You have to tell your wife what you've done. He said, no. I cannot do that. Short story, he went down. Uh, he said to his wife, see that guy? He's a preacher. And God told him, I'm having an affair. And it's true. And he was very sorry. He was really repenting. And uh, he thought the wife who, the wife was going to kill him. And there'll be a big fight in that 747. But the way God does this thing, 
the woman was so amazed at the preacher being able to know he was committing adultery and knew, and knew the name of the woman. She was, man, are you from this planet? All she wanted to know, how did you, if she wasn't concerned about her husband's adultery, all she was concerned, you were strange, man, preacher, whatever you are. And that was her focus. They both gave their lives. Amen? That's how powerful these gifts can be. It's wonderful to stand up with me. I told you too many stories tonight. (laughs) Yeah. But we want God to use us so we can be able to reach people. I haven't taught this in a long time, and I wanted to do it so that all of us can be at the same place. Hopefully, we can go out and do ministry somewhere overseas around, and we have the knowledge and the gift. Knowledge is power, according to the scripture. He who has knowledge has strength. And please, uh, when you hear me speaking, I'm not speaking for any kind of condemnation. I'm speaking for us to learn together and grow. Amen? Don't feel bad if you've never operated in the gift. If you've operated in the gift before and you want to be strengthened, fine. I've made a lot of mistakes. We all make mistakes, but we grow. Amen? That's why we come to God's house and we learn and we move forward from that. Amen? One thing is going to happen is you will lose the fear because you have understanding. It's hard to walk into a room when it's dark. You've never been there before. And somebody says, well, walk into that room. You say, what's there? I want to know what's there before I go into that dark room. But if they describe and tell you, I've been in, I know how, what, the way things are arranged, just go walk straight and walk this way, no problem. You are able to do it. Even though you're still scared, you can go in. Amen? That's what it does. Because teaching helps us to understand, and then we can operate in the gifts. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Let's lift our hands up to God tonight. And thank Him for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are available to every one of us. It's not one man's property. Some pastors will either keep it for themselves uh, for advantage, but that's not the way God wants it. He wants the whole body of Christ. These signs follow them that believe. In my name, they cast out devils. They lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. We are born for signs and wonders. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the goodness of our God to us. God, we ask that you give us the revelation of Jesus Christ in your word. And Lord, deliver us from all fears and help us to operate and move in the spirit of the living God, the gifts of the spirit, so that we are able to minister to one another, edify one another, and to reach out to the world. We thank you, O Lord, our God. Bless your people tonight. And even as they leave this place, we'll never leave your presence. Because you promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. Let your blessings go with us as we go out and as we come in. That everything we set our hands to do will prosper. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.